I'm Hillary McClure, Vice President of Multimedia Productions at Cybercrime Magazine. I'm here today with Roger Grimes, data-driven defense evangelist for Know Before, the world's first and largest new school security awareness training and simulated phishing provider that helps you manage the ongoing problem of social engineering. To learn more about Know Before, visit knowbefore.com. Roger, welcome. Great to be speaking with you again. Always glad to be back with you and everybody else that tunes on in. Yeah, absolutely. And Roger, Valentine's Day is upon us yet again, which unfortunately means that romance scams are about to have their time in the sun. Now, I know you would say that they have that time in the sun, regardless of holidays or seasonality, but it's worth talking about again, especially as the FBI has been warning those looking for love to be cautious of online romance scammers in the next few weeks. So Just quickly, interestingly enough, a Texas woman was just sentenced last week to over six years in prison on federal fraud and conspiracy for her involvement in internet romance scams that cheated victims out of a total of $2.6 million. So I was surprised to see that story. And, you know, Roger, in addition to that story, what are we looking at in terms of 2023 romance scams? Is it more same old, same old, or is there some innovation happening? I'm personally wondering if there's anything AI or chat GPT will impact as we see more and more avatars out there that are just so dang convincing. They target me on social media and I, it takes me a second to realize it's not a real person. Yeah. You know, I, I do think if you think of like the chat GPT stuff applied to romance scams, that certainly seems like, you know, it, it might add something to it. But the romance scammers are really, really doing well without chat GPT and AI. I got to say that romance scams, and I, I've been, I used to write a lot of articles on it when I was with InfoWorld and CSO Online. And so I get a fair amount of people reaching out to me about romance scams. Every now and then it will be the actual victim themselves going, hey, what do you think? You know, is this a scam? A lot of times it's a loved one, a friend, family member that wants to help a parent or somebody. And I would say the average person that contacts me doesn't contact me till the victim has lost a quarter of a million dollars. So that's, you know, that I'm like, you know, it must be all over the place. And I think some of my wild conclusions are, first of all, I, I once talked to a lady that knew she was being scammed, but told me she sent a monthly payment because she said, this guy is the only guy that talks to me like he loves me. You know, so like I thought, okay, that's wild. But probably the most startling thing that I personally learned was that even when I proved to them that the person they were dealing with was a scam artist, it never stopped them from staying in love and sending more money. I mean, so they would tell me, oh, I'm in love with Yanni or I'm in love with this, you know, Navy captain in the Navy or this construction manager or manager of a really large project. And They'd send me the image and I'd get really good at reverse searching the images and finding out what profile they're really stolen from. And I would prove to the person that the person that you're sending this, you know, that's claiming to be this person, Yanni or whatever, really isn't that person. And here is really who the real person is and what profile they got stolen from. And I thought that was the secret that you would just prove to them they're using this fake profile. But nope, nope, never, never did proving that the person they were dealing with was fraudulent ever stop them from staying in love with that person? I guess it's just that I don't know what else to say other than love is a really powerful motivator and wanting to be loved is a powerful motivator and facts, you know, can't overcome the emotions. 
you know, the saying I say frequently is the heart has a mind, which the mind knows nothing of. Right. And, you know, at least half the crime in our world is probably due to heartache in some way or, you know, someone feels cheated on and, you know, hurt somebody or shoot someone or something, you know, and the scams are getting more and more sophisticated. You know, the, the big ones, what do they call the pig butchering one where someone falls in love with somebody and that person claims they're getting rich with cryptocurrency and, hey, I can help you get rich, too. You know, you can invest in cryptocurrency and watch, look at this, you know, you've doubled your money in two weeks and it's all fake, right? You're just sending your money into a vacuum, but it's all very concerning. I had someone reach out to me this week saying, can you help me, you know, help someone that's being romance scammed? And I said, listen, I don't know if I can. As a matter of fact, I think I posted this on LinkedIn, but I was like, you know, I can tell you all the things I think that will work, but I don't think it has ever worked. You know, you and I've talked about this before. I've watched, you know, mothers have their child arrested while they're in the shower so they could get access to a computer that the daughter was trying to manage because the mother had actually had her legal rights taken away because she'd sent so much money to the scammer and the daughter was trying to protect her. So the mother called the police and claimed elderly abuse and had her daughter arrested in the shower and why the daughter was outside in the police car, handcuffed, trying to explain to the police what was really going on. And the police eventually believed her. The mother had sent the money, you know, had gotten the Apple iPad and had sent the money in the brief amount of time that it took for the daughter to explain to the police, hey, this is just a, you know, my mother's crazy, that sort of stuff. So, you know, will chat GPT and other like interfaces help them with the victims? Yeah, but I think they've already got their scripts fairly down, you know, already. And it's working, you know, that one person that sold millions of dollars, I guess that was surprising that they're making millions and millions of dollars. And, you know, the scams are becoming more elaborate. The only possible positive thing is that I have heard about more people being arrested in the United States. Most of these romance scams are done from different countries. And once you find out that the person has scammed you, you know, you can't do anything because they're in some other foreign country, Nigeria being the most common one, but all types of African nations are in the UK or something. But it's really difficult to get these people in trouble. So I was kind of glad and, you know, delighted to see that story where that particular romance scam person had done it from the United States. And anytime, like anytime I hear a ransomware person, you know, arrested in the United States, it kind of makes me happy. I'm like, okay, my nation has some laws. They're not perfect, but at least you can get arrested. So, you know, maybe at least it will discourage the local domestic scammers. And maybe just as one last point, a lot of people say, well, you know, if my employee is being romance scammed, that's not my problem as an employer. But I try to say, listen, if your employee is dealing with a romance scam or they're dealing with a credit card scam or whatever it might be, you know, a personal scam of some sort, that is a problem for you because that means that employee is not being productive. If they're dealing with the outfall of a romance scam or a stolen credit card or whatever it might be, that employee is not concentrating on working for you that day or that week or that month. And so anything you can do to educate your employees, because I really think the only way to defeat a romance scam is to be able to you know, make people aware of them because once they're in love, they're in love. So Again, I think this really should be more of an issue that concerns corporate environments. And let me say, a couple of years ago, I made this same statement. I remember one of our, I work at Know Before, one of our chief competitors, CEO, 
joked and laughed at me and said, does anyone care that, you know, about romance scams? And I was like, yeah, yeah, it, it really is a productivity issue, you know, ultimately for the employer. I don't think anybody would disagree with that now. I think, you know, people have come around to see that romance scams, at least for working people, is something that, you know, could impact productivity, you know, and you don't, you just don't want your employee scammed out of money that makes an unhappy employee and they might, you know, do you know, bad things or quit, or I've even heard of people that are in romance scams, breaking laws and embezzling from their companies to get money for the attacker, for the scammer. They take good people and talk them into embezzling from their company because they need such large sums of money to make this scammer happy. But all in all, it is a truly terrible crime and it's really sad. And I don't know what the solution is because once someone's in love, it is so, so tough. I've seen victims turn against their family and multi-decade friends in a heartbeat because they thought that that person didn't like the person that they loved. So it's, it's a, just a really difficult situation overall. Yeah, absolutely. And not to mock the situation by any means, but just a, a gentle reminder, I saw this story. It's not related to cyber outside of a cell phone usage, but, um, you know, just a gentle reminder to folks to be careful about who you meet online so you can avoid being on the receiving end of 159,000 text messages. That's a story about a woman named Jacqueline AIDS from 20, I think it was 2018. And she's from Phoenix and she met a man and she just really went crazy on him for lack of a better term. And, you know, I guess it should be noted, there's not much vetting on, on dating sites. Not like you can profile people, but I don't know, 159,000 messages is just a lot. And I know a lot of the romance scams that are based in the US, just like the woman who was arrested in Texas, do kind of run around in online dating websites. So just something for folks to keep in mind, because it is sad. And it's a really sad issue, like you were saying. But 159,000 text messages. That's just wild. Yeah. You know, although when I read that, it is sad, but I, re I remember the first time when texting became kind of a really big deal. And I don't know if you young people know, but back in the day, we actually got charged like 10 cents for every, yes. every text message. Mm -hmm. And I remember one day my phone bill was like super expensive. And I looked out and my daughters had done like four to, I had three daughters and a son, but my daughters had done like four to 6,000 text messages in a month. And I remember going to them going, you know, this obviously has to be a mistake. And I remember my daughter's looking at me, go, oh, that's about right. <laughs> <laughs> and that's where I quickly went. I think I need to get on that unlimited text plan. <laughs> or I guess I could have been a real, you know, conservative father and said, hey, you should stop text messaging people so much. But that was the turning point. But yeah, the, the woman in the Texas case for all that stuff, she also, if you, you know, if you read a little bit more in the article, showed up at the guy's house a couple of times, actually took a bath in his house while he was out of town. He saw her on the remote camera and called the police. And when she was in the bathtub, she was obviously had mental health issues, right? I don't, yeah, she, sure. she wasn't a normal, although I don't know if, can I say normal stalker or something like that? Uh, yeah. I don't know what the proper way to refer to stalkers is nowadays, but I think that's fine for our conversation. Yeah, yeah, although I was, I was just listening to uh, Dak Shepard's podcast, which is awesome. He was interviewing Pamela Lee Anderson yep. and she was saying when she met Tommy Lee, Tommy Lee just reached out to her and was just stalking right. her, just sending all these texts and everything. And, and, he, and she's like, well, listen, I can't talk to you. I get ready to go to Mexico. And then he showed up in Mexico. Yeah. Well, like that's a stalker. 
stalker thing. Yeah. Then he put ecstasy in her drink for the first night of the date. <laughs> and she's like, and, and we fell in love. And blah, blah, blah. <laughs> And uh, Dak Shepard was like, no, no, men listening to this, it is not appropriate to stalk somebody, follow them to another country and put drugs in their drinks. It is never right <laughs> to. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, she's like, well, it kind of worked out for me. But you're like, you're like, oh, oh OK. Um, you know, <laughs> did it, though? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that that would have been the warning. She still called him the love of her life. And I'm like, possibly residuals from the ecstasy. I've never taken ecstasy, but, uh, you know, apparently it causes these feelings of, you know, love for everything. And you're like, my God, this guy. And she goes, it's very romantic, you know, all stuff. You're like, well, really like on every level, unethical and illegal. Totally. I will say there are a lot of people out there with mental health issues. I actually have many of them reach out to me all the time. I've had one reaching out to me this week. I've got them for decades. And a lot of times they're in some paranoid delusion where they think everybody's stalking them. The FBI is stalking them. Their employers are stalking them. Their family and friends are in on it. And they have undetectable malware. That's what they always say. It's undetectable. I'm like, it's always detectable. Yeah. It was kind of interesting in that. Yeah, this one person said, yeah, everybody's breaking into my PC, blah, blah, blah. So I go through the same going. I actually send them a response going, hey, I want to let you know that I get a lot of these emails and most people that send me emails like yours are having a mental health issue. And I really think you should, you know, regardless whether you believe me or not, it'd be great if you talked to a mental health professional and just ruled mm-hmm. it out. Just ruled it out to make sure yeah. that's not the issue. What's the harm? But I said, I'm going to treat you now as if you're not mentally ill and you really, truly have all this spying stuff going on. Go buy a new laptop, buy a new cell phone, fire them up, fully patch them, change all your passwords for everything. I said, you know, if you do that, the odds that someone can break into you are really, really remote. And personally, well, thank you so much. They didn't even mention that I, you know, accused them of being mentally ill, which is oftentimes the case. But then they went, can I hire you to patch my computer? (laughs) And I went, wait a minute, your whole no. your whole problem is that everybody's breaking into your computer. I'm not going to become part of your fantasy by now, so yeah. you should not be allowing anybody to patch your your computers will patch themselves if you just turn them on, you know, for the most part. But I was like, no, no, no. You know, and I I thought, yeah, if I if I accepted and she's gonna she's no no, I'll pay you. No, no, no. I there's no doubt I would be a part of the fantasy of this guy's now, you know, spying on me and for sure. But I thought it was interesting that you're really scared about people spying on you, yet the first thing you do is go, I'm going to invite a a stranger (laughs) that I met only over the internet to to log on to my computer. Like, no, no. But I will say that, you know, mental health is a real big issue. And I'm making a little bit of light of it here, but I don't. I don't want to. I think that be aware that there are mentally unhealthy people. You know, I've read about some guy that is using the dating apps to meet women to abuse them. Oh, wow. And I bet that happens all the time. He actually is a, a sadistic predator and he's killed some women and he tortures them. And, oh my God. you know, thank God I, I've been married for 25 years or longer, if I include the first wife. And, you know, that I didn't have to go through today's dating uh, routines. Yeah. But it just sounds to me to be, you know, scary, scary stuff. And it's just, uh, I'm glad I don't have to navigate those things to everyone that does the dating apps out there on both sides, just, you know, good luck, good health, good safety, and just realizing that everybody has your best interest in mind. Absolutely. That's very well put. I also missed dating apps narrowly, but thank God. (laughs) (laughs) 
All right. Well, next up for us is a story from TechCrunch that centers around how hackers have found a bug that allowed anyone to bypass Facebook two-factor authentication. And this bug could have allowed malicious hackers to switch off an account's two-factor authentication protection just by knowing the user's phone number. So Roger, can you take us through this story and any other applications of this type of attack for which you're aware? Yeah, you know, I get a lot of people sending me emails about different ways to hack around MFA, and there's a lot of commonality in them, you know, across the different types. And this particular attack I've actually read about before with other services, but this particular one dealt with Meta through Facebook and Instagram. And a researcher, you know, hack a good good guy hacker, found out that if you had two-factor, multi-factor authentication enabled on your Facebook or Instagram account that he could bypass it, kind of disable it. And the way that it it could occur was that he would tell it that the two-factor authentication wasn't working. It would then allow him to put in a phone number. So if he knew the victim's phone number, then he could put it into the response and kind of go to this centralized account management feature for Meta, where you can manage your accounts, tie that phone number to his Facebook account. And then essentially, you know, Facebook or Meta would send a SMS reset code to the phone. So whatever that six-digit code was, typically, you know, you as a normal person would type that into the website and kind of open your account back up, you know. But what he found out is that if once it sent the code to the victim's phone, in this case, I guess the victim was getting this code going, what is this? He could then guess as quickly as he wanted to, you know, up to, you know, like a million times until he guessed the six-digit code. So, Unfortunately, many multi-factor authentication solutions that require you to input a four or six-digit code, those are the two most common lengths, don't have what's called account lockout or rate limiting. I mean, it's really, really common. I've seen it. I've documented it dozens of times where someone implemented this, hey, you need to type in this code that we send you. They then don't have account lockout or rate throttling or not very strict. I remember Twitter had one where we'll only accept 250 guesses per IP address. And I'm like, why would anybody have to have 250 guesses? But the researcher found out he could just get Azure terminals and then those that each have different public IP addresses and then guess as many times as he wanted to. What would then be worse is that in this particular meta case, the MFA bypass, is that once the attacker had successfully guessed that six-digit code and taken over the account, the victim would get a message going, hey, you've changed your MFA to this other method, and you could not, no matter how hard you tried, recover that account. It would permanently lock out the victim from ever being able to recover that account, which let me say, I've seen it a ton of times. If the attacker is able to get your account and then enable multi-factor authentication, I've never heard of a victim ever getting the account back. And I've complained before, I wish the major vendors, you know, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and all them would make some way for people that had their account stolen. I I probably get someone emailing me every week or two saying my account's been stolen and I can't get it back because the attackers turned on MFA begging to get their account back. It's like these major vendors just don't care. They not only don't have a process for recovering that account when the attacker is turned on MFA, but they don't care because this has to be one of the number one account takeover complaints. You know, what was good about this meta report is that the security researcher 
he reported his findings to Meta, and they gave him like a twenty-seven thousand dollar reward. The only thing I didn't like, spokesman went, "Oh, this is really beta. It was just a test login portal or something like that." You're like, "Whatever, it's public facing." Meta said, we don't think anybody was compromised by the security researcher, researcher reporters, and we got paid. So I'll tell you from that perspective, I think it's a win-win. Meta got a fix and the good guy hacker got paid $27,777 or something like that. I think that's a wonderful outcome in light of the fact that they had the error in the first place. But I also want to point out that I think there are a ton of portals that have that exact same experience. I've read of dozens of sites that have this same problem. So it isn't just a meta problem. Meta's problem's fixed. There's a ton of other ones. I mean, the list of popular websites that have had similar problems is a mile long. And you can see them. If you just put in MFA bug, you'll find a bunch of them. I mean, like this has occurred to Twitter, to Slack, to Microsoft. It's really weird that in the password world, which MFA is supposed to be replacing, almost every logon site has account lockout and rate throttling. So an attacker can't just guess in perpetuity. But as soon as they go to MFA, it just seems like the developers, I don't know, they just don't put common you know, rate throttling account lockout features in it. And then when they do, like when Twitter did, they have this insanely high level, you know, 250 guesses before they might possibly lock it out. I'm like, you know, what committee decision decided that they needed 250, you know, before they locked it out? I don't, I, I don't know. But overall, I would say the bigger lesson to learn, first of all, kudos to Meta for paying the hacker $27,000, you know, for what he found. Kudos to the hacker for doing responsible disclosure to the vendor and getting paid for it. I think that's all wonderful. The bigger lesson is I think there's a whole lot of vendors out there with the exact same problem that we don't know about that may or may not being taken advantage of, not by a researcher, but by a real world attacker. Yeah, absolutely. And I always wonder, how did they come up with $27,200? Why not just 28? I don't know. <laughs> I just always wonder that. It's always like an interesting amount. To, yeah, yeah. And I'm very happy that he was you know, rewarded for finding that bug and reporting it. But I'm always curious where they come up with the numbers, but I don't know. Yeah, I think what they do is there's a maximum number that they've said they will pay for the worst one, you know, like $100,000, okay. $300,000. And then they have levels of severity impact. And it's just a percentage out of that. I think that's how they come out of that weird stuff. So okay, that's what I think it is. Okay. All right. I'm glad we cleared that up. Well, (laughs) (laughs) Roger, as always, it was such a pleasure speaking with you. And I'm glad that we were able to talk about romance scams, but then also talk about this bug. And as you mentioned, you know, happy results for everyone in this specific situation with Meta's bug, but certainly more work to be done with regard to to two-factor authentication. So absolutely. Thanks everybody for tuning in. Until next time, continue to fight the good fight. I'm Hillary McClure, Vice President of Multimedia Productions at Cybercrime Magazine. Joining me today was Roger Grimes, data-driven defense evangelist for Before, the world's first and largest new school security awareness training and simulated phishing provider that helps you manage the ongoing problem of social engineering.